new movies on Netflix, Shaney, is what we're talking about today. New movie on Netflix? What is it called? It's a new David Fincher flick. It's a new flick, you hear? It's called Mank. Oh, yeah, you'll see. It's a, it's a fine film. Uh, well, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Uh, I have mixed feelings about this. Yeah, I, I think I've more obviously stated by my lack of recording this episode yesterday that I had mixed feelings about this. It put me to bed, dog. That's my review right there. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Okay. <laughs> I actually I wanted to start off talking about Mank, directed by. Dave yeah, Frank. I shouldn't have. Yeah, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have just given blurted out my opinion about it like that. It's. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll get into okay, the, no, wait, we'll get no. into the let's, analyticals. Let's, let's let's back it up even further. Yeah. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mythic Morons. I'm Cheney. And I am Sid. Probably the third this... time we've ever announced ourselves on this episode or on this show. Uh, yes. But, yeah. I should also and, say um, if you are if you are listening to this episode, thank you for listening and drop a rating and subscribe to the show because we always say that at the end and we don't know if people listen to the end, so we're gonna say it now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and in this show, like we already announced, we're talking about Mank, the Netflix movie that it just came out like last week, right? Last Friday. Last Friday, yes. Pretty new on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Pretty pretty uh, star-studded cast, I would say too. Incredibly star-studded cast, yeah. It's it's crazy the amount of people. We got Gary Oldman, Amanda Seyfried, um, fucking yeah. Charles Charles Dance. I love Charles Dance. I actually just watched him in a Godzilla movie earlier in the week because I'm continuing to watch Godzilla movies relentlessly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I wanted to start off by first talking about the good stuff which is basically all the technical filmmaking stuff that i know sure. that you probably really appreciated throughout the for film. sure yeah yeah um in terms of like it's relentless i need new words um it, it it's it's attention to detail when it comes to like encompassing that era of hollywood within the film itself like like a a film that is in the style of the f- of oh this is so hard to explain mank is a movie that is filmed in the style of which the of the era it's trying to encap if that right. makes sense yeah no well said it's um, it's exactly that it's trying to be a 1940s flick while showing the 1940s era 19 late 1930s hollywood 1940s while I guess I shouldn't say trying to be a 1930s film. Like, what does that even mean? But trying, it's stylistically trying to encapsulate that in terms like, of like in terms of the cinematography. The, yeah, yes. yeah, but it's it's even the black and white's not just a black and white tossed on there. It's not black and white used in today's film. You know, it's not like it's not even if you think about old film that's or modern films that are replicating old film it's not like the black and white black and white used in a the lighthouse even it's like the specific type of black and white you get from like 1930s 1940s black and white reels of film so and and you probably used with like a digital camera because it's netflix and netflix is digital so it's it's it produces like the image is like clear and crisp like you would expect out of a 2020 camera like or a digital camera you know but the black and white itself is trying to it like it evokes that 1940s noir like very specifically noir you know mm-hmm. for um, sure yeah and then just it, along with like fincher style adds to that too big time 
it yeah uh and the music man i i noticed the music right yeah away. the music in this movie is incredible it's like swinger jazz but like again that noirish um and it, it's old time it feels like an old recording of music but it's like yeah. completely new so it, it it, and even like the audio throughout the movie like it's not the most crisp the way right, they're right. talking the way the dialogue is written isn't like how real people talk it's the more of that exaggerated movie speak that they had back in the day um, so everything about that sort of encompasses old the feeling Hollywood. of this yeah of old Hollywood which is you know purposeful because this is a movie about old Hollywood yeah like the Hollywood that was called the Hollywood land <laughs> that they make it a really clear point to even show that I thought that was that was pretty interesting like it, 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 it's really small but like even like it, it just established the era they you know how Hollywood used to be called Hollywood land right like they had the the signage in the back but like yeah that just to um I guess like this is just for me a a film about like film history and like of a, a realistic aspect of what Hollywood was, the history of it, uh, almost like it's like just like presented as a history lesson. I don't know. Uh, it's hard. Perhaps like ne- like. Okay, actually, you know what? I, I I was about to just jump into my negative stuff, but if you're you're still probably talking about the stuff that you found positive about it. Um. Well, obviously, like the the performances, like Gary Oldman, like yes, melts into his role. Um, Gary, he he's yeah. known for becoming his characters, and there's no like mask behind him in this. Like he, yeah, he becomes Mank, the mm-hmm. embodiment of an alcoholic writer. The 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 self imposed tragedy that writers like put themselves in. That oh, I, I'm a I'm an alcoholic, and I have to drink to to be in that state of mind to write the art that is so genius of me. Like that's you know that kind of like not like not so self uh i don't know what the right word is not so humble of a writer you know um yeah and i don't know there's there's other characters that for me seem to kind of fade away too like other other performances like i, I don't know if it's gary oldman's like overshadowing that but how did you feel you know, it was obvious that Gary Oldman's going to be great in this, but like, how did you feel other people's performances? Amanda Seyfried, um, Lily Collins, I guess, because they were. I thought, the I thought Amanda Seyfried did a good job. Like, there's little nuances with in terms of like mm-hmm. her Brooklyn accent that I th- thought was charming. Like, she she seemed like the absolute quintessential Hollywood girl at the time. I thought it was Marilyn yeah. Monroe at first, but it's, it's right, but not. like that type of um, Hollywood actress, yeah, yeah. So like really well done with her um and yeah like maybe i don't know um the british girl was was pretty good for for what she her role was um kind of a weird character to be honest like um in terms of her point in the movie and like having her own like mini arc that's resolved like it's set up in one scene and resolved in two other scenes and that's it like her husband thing like yeah remind me how that ends because i I might have missed it if it was that fast like all i know is she was she gets a letter from the husband she's called out and i didn't even realize there was a resolution to be honest what was the resolution to that so the setup was like obviously her husband being in the military yeah and then um herman 
or, or Mank sort of making the comment on German engineering being superior. So he was just trying to be witty, but then it's later found out that yeah, his his ship sank. Okay, so that was it, right? Like that, but that's not even an arc. That was one scene. No, but yeah, I know. And then, and then the scene after that is then she gets another letter, and it's like, yeah, oh, that he's been found, and she's like, oh, I'm oh. So happy. and I was like, uh, cool, I guess. Like, I, right. like all so I know about you point? is that you're like the writer for you're, you're writing down what Meg yeah. is spitting out. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. I see. So I must have like literally like phased out for a second because like okay, I was yeah, on so and off. But let's let's get into the negatives. This film yeah. does not need to be two hours long. I'm sorry. No. Like not yeah. at all. When you have stuff I, like that, that's like completely, like it it doesn't forward the plot at all. It doesn't like add any character development to anyone. Really. That's the all. thing. I don't think there was really characters playing here. I don't think there was many characters. I think there was a story. And I think there was tools to tell that story and, and to, to tell something, to talk and give you some thoughts. But I don't think there was much emphasis on, you know, I, I might have to rewatch this again to give a really like firm kind of understood, you know, response back to it. So I'm going to be kind of brief in what I say, but uh, with the positive stuff, I, I can speak further on, but with things like characters, like I, I might have to rewatch it just to understand it to see if I understand them more. Because on a first time viewing, I feel like everybody's there to service Mank, and Mank is the story, and and that's it. Like even Mank himself is like a a list of things, you know. It's it. it I felt hard to connect with characters on a character level. Like I felt like the whole time I'm watching, you know, a here's a history on 1940s Hollywood and the politics of Hollywood and people who who are like, you know, in the, in those positions of power. Like, I thought there was just an emphasis on that kind of a story. And like, that's fine for that kind of a story. But like you're saying, like, does that story have to be two hours long? And on Netflix, like, I could see this movie maybe doing well in theaters if I'm like if I bought a ticket and committed to watching it in a theater seat you know I, I would be less likely to fall asleep or feel tired like if I'm engaged in a theater then maybe there's something different when I'm, but if I'm watching it on Netflix and I have the option to fast forward scenes pause it come back to it tomorrow like I'm gonna most likely do those things that's personally speaking but you know what I mean like maybe this Maybe this movie functions better as a film for theater. I thought maybe there's a lot of things that could make this film function better. Like, yeah, maybe a theater experience. That or like a re-edit or like, yeah, just a more engaging yeah, like, edit. That's like, like I, I know this is sort of like like the, 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 the non-linear storytelling of this movie is sort of supposed to harken back to Citizen Kane itself. Um yeah, but, like I, I do think this <laughs> yeah, movie let's would just, let's benefit. Say, let's say harkens back with a big air quotations there. Yeah, it, I, I do think this movie would benefit greatly from a more like linear way of telling the story. Like the right, way you, yeah. How much you jump back and forth and like that's you'll you'll spend two minutes jumping back. Like it, it's, it's and it was weird. It, it's like the the 
the way they set it up, like the flashbacks and stuff was like, let's introduce something that you or a person, right? Like you don't know who this person is. And then right after that, there's a flashback to explain to you who, what the significant of that person or that you get an interaction to contextualize it. So you get the context directly after the thing was told to you. You know, it was such a, it felt so spoon fed, but, and like, it was, it was what struggled me was like, I was spoon fed every information I had, yet I still have, felt like I was doing mental gymnastics and like homework I, yeah, in my head. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, like I, that might be my I, biggest problem with it. I like, am I dumb? Like, do I not yeah. understand? Well, yeah, like, we're, we are dumb Cheney because one, you don't know film history to a high degree of this film's expectations. And two, I fell asleep clearly at all my film history classes also, because I don't remember any of it during this movie. Like this movie feels like an exam. For I thought history. you. I thought you would sort of understand a little bit more because obviously you did film history classes. Yeah. So like, well, the only thing I understand is the background and context of this movie, which is maybe what we should have started off talking about. Like, what is this movie about? Right. It's yeah. about the screenwriter of Citizen Kane, which is like every film student knows is a uh, important film. I'll just say as a fact, it's an important film, but it's widely regarded as the like one of the most influential, one of the best, one of the greatest, just one of the, just those grand words, you know, and, and just my own personal opinions about Citizen Kane. It, I love, I like, I really enjoy it. It's not like I can see the influence a movie like Citizen Kane has on movies today. So that is not to be understated. It is a great film. It is an important film. So this film Mank is about the screenwriter behind that because the screenwriter Henry Mankiewicz is kind of underthought when it comes to Citizen Kane. Like people think about um, Orson Welles, the actor, writer, director who was like super young at the time and just blew up as the greatest director of all time after that. So this movie is like, hey, let's give you a slice of or a perspective of that you probably don't know. And on a premise level, as you know, if as a just a person who like enjoys film history and, and you know, I, I enjoyed learning about film history even in school. So the premise of this movie, I was sold on it already. You know, you didn't have to tell me more, but like, even still, like it, it's like, you know, there's, there's movies about Hollywood, like once upon a time in Hollywood that are like, here, here's a movie about how movies are made. And then there's movies like this that, so now in my mind, there's two clear approaches to how to do it. And I know what I like when it comes to how it's done. There's movies like once Tarantino's like Hollywood that engage you into wanting to learn more about old Hollywood politics and practices of filmmaking. And then there's like this that is pretty much all like exposition and and just like yeah. the, the throwing of names and people and, and, and things that they hope for you to latch on to. In, in the air like in the middle of dialogue it's like all of this stuff going by and then like at the tail end of it some narratively important stuff about the movie Citizen Kane and I, I liked scenes like that you know I liked where where those moments like what were they, what they were trying to do about Citizen Kane or like what was Mank trying to accomplish um, in the writing of it like the dialogue the conflict they had with the editor of the film or the editor of the script I guess he was um, and you know what the editor's role was in the movie and what Mank was trying to do versus what the editor's role was like it, it it shows you the realness of what Hollywood is and and the writer's kind of pursuit in his craft but those were like always just tail end moments of the scene you know like those never felt big enough or important enough 
to where I wanted to continue watching the movie. Like if I want to watch the those scenes, I'll watch those scenes, but it doesn't mean I want to watch the entire movie again. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was under the impression that this was about the writing of Citizen Kane. Um, it barely is. Yeah. I'm sorry, it barely is. It's mostly commentary on um, like political divide within the Hollywood at the time. Yeah. It, it, it's like, oh, that's f- fine, but like... <sighs> and weirdly about like All- Nazis, the war, like there was a lot about that too. Nazis, like, socialism all- versus capitalism. Right, like, yeah. Guys the- using all this like all this terminology, this, this battle of ideologies within yeah. this film. When in reality, I think most people are just here as a means to understand the importance of Mankiewicz when it comes to Citizen, Citizen Kane. Kane. And that's yeah. hardly even explored. Like right. the only thing relating to that is him sitting and lying in the bed and writing about it and his conflicts with the editor and, and Orson Welles. And that's yeah. it. And, and that's, that's the most interesting it. point, And that's like 3% of the movie. I have no idea why they're going back in time. Half the time. I have no idea yeah, why there's no. a flashback. Like, right. It, there was, I, I, like, I thought it was a means to tell them how Mank got to the point of where he is now, mm-hmm. but it wasn't hardly. consistent. It wasn't consistent, Chady, right? Like it, th- there's no easy found rule or consistent idea for you to think this was what the flashbacks are about because there's one instance that wants to show you this is how man gets to where he is. And then there's another instance that wants to show you this is who his brother is. And that's why, and like lead, linking to the previous scene. So it's like, you're right. Like they, they, it's, it's one confusing when the flashbacks happen and when they end, like that's kind of confusing and they're inconsistent to like its importance, I think in the narrative, like, mm-hmm. and then you've had like yeah. full character motivation changes and full character changes between flashbacks so certain characters that were interacting a certain way before are now acting completely different to each other in the next flashback and you have no idea why and you have to fill in the gaps for yourself right you're supposed to think oh hollywood has changed this person over the last few years mm -hmm. now call me lazy but like this movie makes you do a lot of work yeah there's a there's a high bar of of context you need to even enter and see this movie and you need to put a bunch of the pieces together within the movie itself because it's non-linear and there's a bunch of flashbacks so uh, and it's over two hours long so forgive me but yeah i was pretty tired after watching this movie too and like it it's people can chalk it up to us just being not smart enough to understand the movie or us just being too lazy to really pay attention but the fact of the matter is is like as as well as the dialogue is written um it can only carry it so far i need more than just dialogue and exposition yeah. to explain all the character motivations i need and action i need i need something else drama action like this is a good example where good dialogue is not the like be all end all like it's not the most important and neither should it be the most relied upon thing like i think fincher is known for like many things two of the i guess most prolific things he's done in film or like he's known for is like good directing in terms of a clean shot composition style like his his style is really uh apparent in his films and i can talk about that in this movie too and just the his, his like use of dialogue the pace of it and how that mixes and melds into the filmmaking into the editing into the shot styles um you know and i liked those bits by itself in this movie i liked the dialogue by itself i liked how fast and at times like maybe natural might not be the right word but yeah like you know how in the moment it felt how in the vibe the dialogue felt 
I could barely understand what the fuck they were talking about at most times. And like, it was kind of like Tenant, right? Like when you're watching Tenant for the first time, you're like, what the fuck are these guys? This physics shit is mostly going over my head. And am I really stupid for not being able to understand it? Like, it's like, yeah, it's kind of that emotion where you're like uncertain about your own intelligence in a way like kind of like how you put it like are we just dumb for not being able to understand this film history jargon so the dialogue is problematic like that and it he it's like fincher is a good enough director to cut his stuff well and make his shots look pretty but i don't know it did it didn't like engage me perhaps on the level of like the social networks like courtroom scenes you know that like those when i think about character that Fincher does so well is like getting you into the headspace of like a character's choices and decisions. And I never felt once in this movie, like I'm in the headspace of Mank. No, I felt like I'm always viewing it, viewing him as a, as a movie watcher, you know, as, as uh, despite Mank being like the POV character of this entire film, I, I never understood why he was doing certain things at all. Like, it was never really, like, am I supposed to get it from Gary Oldman's nuanced facial expressions or his um, extremely fast 10 lines of dialogue within um, a setting where there's 20 different characters he's talking to? Like, mm. it, it, I, I, it's just, it does just seem like I was witnessing the character versus, like, understanding the character. Yeah, it. I feel like this movie shouldn't have been called Mank. It should have been called 40s Hollywood, late 30s Hollywood. And that would have been more interesting movie. Make like fully brand yourself and tell the story of a like a political thriller of nineteen late thirties Hollywood with that kind of an ensemble character of characters and cast. And I think that could be a fucking solid movie. And that mm-hmm. Fincher telling that kind of a th- like here's the thing, like Fincher is one of the greatest thriller movie directors of all time. He's also a great political storyteller. And if you look at his recent works, he's moving towards the political less thriller realm you know in in the last decade of his work from like the social network social network onwards with house of cards with uh um i guess most recently mindhunter is him stepping back into thriller but he is noticeably more engaged and probably just more interested himself in politics and like wants to tell those stories Mm -hmm. uh personally speaking like i i'm always just personally more engaged with this thrillers like i i guess i'm not trying to pick favorites because I, I love social network and i love his films like seven so i think he's shown strength in both genres right for this movie in particular i'm i'm scratching my head at why not either just make a f- like full-on political thriller set in this time period of and 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 how he's like evoking the style of film noir you know, like, why not make a 2020 film noir, like a, a neo-noir that is set in during this time with these characters? You know, perhaps the story of the writing behind Citizen Kane isn't the the just plot device. It could, like, you know, maybe that doesn't have to be the story. And But, like, I, I feel like this is just such a weird use of th- storytelling tropes. Like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Like... Yes, I know exactly I, what you're trying to say. Yeah, like I in this movie I could see the potential for a David Fincher neo noir that evokes the style of 1930s noir. It feels like, like two different movies. It feels like many different movies. Like it, it feels, it feels like, like either you know, is it either is it a character study in Mank or is it a political thriller? Like which right. one is it? 
is it a Hollywood? Is it a expose on forties, thirties Hollywood? Like it's all these things, but it's never any of those things very well, mm-hmm. right? Like I guess I'm at, at at its strongest point, it's like a history on late Hollywood, but it's like okay, but then don't call it Mank and don't say it's about the story of how Sins and Kane's written. It's not like you said; it's not like the strongest point of the story. It's my favorite point of the story, though. So, I do wish we had we had more of that, you know. Yeah. Instead, like we got a bunch of this weird political drama um, that felt misplaced. I don't know. Like I, I understand. Yeah, misplaced like, is the right word. Misplaced. I, it, it all felt misplaced, but yeah. I understand. Like this is important to maybe to understand. Like like this movie is also a criticism of old Hollywood. It seems, um, which is fair enough, I guess. Um, sort of maybe some Hollywood people trying to cover up or, or feeling sort of sins of the sins of the father syndrome or something. I don't know. Um, I wouldn't mind the political stuff as if it wasn't so shallow. Um, I'm not sure how it unfolded in real life, but the way it's portrayed in this movie is so cartoonishly evil. It's like, huh? Like, yeah. Like literally I, I, like I, every, every important figures in one room having one conversation together. Yeah. Like while having drinks, like what? It, it, it comes off as cartoonish. Yeah, um, it's like it, that's it's like, oh, like typecast villain lair, you know? Yeah, all yeah, it's like maybe I just that's got Tywin part of Lannister style. giving me a speech on a paradox. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's and man, all I could see is Tywin Lannister. It's like this is not H R W H whoever the fuck they're trying to call it. Like I don't know what the fuck his name is. Like whatever studio head guy's trying to be. Like the okay, William like, Randolph Hearst. William Randolph Hearst. Yeah, W H. Uh, I was two for three <laughs> letters there, yeah. but uh, <laughs> yeah, like I, I'm like in my head when I was seeing him on screen, I'm thinking that's cool. Tywin Lannister appears in other stuff. That's interesting. But at no point I'm like, whoa, who is this character in the grand scheme of Hollywood? Cause I have like, it's never presented to me in a clear way and maybe I'm stupid, right? Like maybe this just goes back to us being stupid people. I'd, I'd like to think I'm not stupid. No, I, th- I, I, I know this movie is like inaccessible to a lot of people. Maybe it's just inaccessible yeah. to us because I'm not fully familiar with the political undergoings of Hollywood back then. I'm not right, but I don't think you should be too right. Like, I mean, like, could we like how far could we go into even recommending this movie to somebody who is a film historian or a film a cinephile a nerd? Like, if they're gonna come across similar problems to us, like that's where I think this movie fails. It's like you're missing your target audience's attention like a little bit you know there i'm not saying every person who enjoys film history will have our reaction i'm sure there's enough people that will be able to bite into every single line and be like this is the greatest film history movie ever told like ever made david finch is an absolute genius for this one i'm sure there will be reviews about that but to the like to the guys like us who I would consider the general audience for this type of movie, you know, we're not, we are like well versed perhaps in our knowledge or our understanding of like history and, and cinema and stuff like that. We, we might be considered like, we're, we're like young in that field. You know, we're not like 40 year old veterans in this game. Uh, so like is his demographic, like the guys who have been talking about this stuff for like 40 years, like, you know, like, I don't know. It's 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 a bit of a weird movie like that, and then it's on Netflix. Like on top of that, like 
that's another point. Like who on Netflix is going to watch this? Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, fair enough. We always sort of rag on about general audience movies and like, we may just not be the target audience for this type of movie. Yeah. Which is, I think general enough. audience is a vague enough word because when you think about, well, who are you, who is this movie specified more, more specifically? Like Netflix makes that such a broad question because anybody can click on this movie. Anybody can see Gary Oldman in black and white in a black and white shot film or Amanda Seyfried or whatever and be like, yeah, let me see what this is about. But like, will they get it? Like, will how invested will they be about it? You know, I think the people that will watch this movie, like truly watch the movie are the ones that are going to have known about this movie pre it's coming out. You know, the ones that were like following this or like aware that Fincher is making a Hollywood history esque movie. And yeah, like, uh, that's that's probably my thought about it. Otherwise, I might just be rambling at that point. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a hard movie to recommend, right? Like it is a hard movie to recommend, and it kind of. I, I know this this is a weird criticism, but it kind of feels like he's trying too hard in this movie. You know, mm-hmm. like he's trying to cram in so much fucking dialogue. He's trying to do all this crazy editing shit. He's trying to do this crazy non-linear storyline, um, when all of it seems like a little bit too try hard like when when you could have just like i I feel like this movie would have benefited from it being a more simple story i feel like he may have challenged himself a little too hard and to try to create something a little too crazy and a little too sophisticated for a lot of people and maybe for this target audience which may be a pretty small subset of people as we've maybe determined mm-hmm. it it works fine but like as you've said like this isn't really like you know, it's on Netflix. It has Gary Oldman in it. I'm in a Seafried. Like, these aren't... This is, like, quintessential general audience bait. And I feel like... I don't know. Maybe if just because yeah, Gary Oldman it, has good acting in it. That, it like, Netflix might not be that place for it. Sorry. Yeah. But, yeah. Go, um, it's hard to recommend this movie. Uh, it's, it's... Well, you know long. who wrote this it's movie? Rags. You know who wrote this movie? I have no idea. Who? David Fincher's father. Who is... Oh, Really? Yeah, who's currently no longer with us. Like, he wrote this movie when he was alive, I guess. And he died in 2003, Jack Fincher. Um, R.I.P. to Jack Fincher, I guess. And, um, yeah, that's kind of interesting, I feel, a little bit. This must be a really, really old script that Fincher's been, like, sitting on this idea for a while, I guess. You know? Yeah. That makes sense then. Um, yeah, like I'm reading about it right here. This was originally, wow, like originally set to be filmed in the late 90s. So around the time Fincher blew up, right, like grew into prominence was the late 90s. And imagine if this was his seven, if this came out instead of seven. Uh, oh, boy. Like, let's let's that, thank film history for what it is and where we are today. But yeah, yeah I, I feel like that might be even a visible problem. It's like, this script just might not have been even looked at or considered like they might have just wrote it like 20 years ago or like 10 15 years ago okay uh didn't make the movie for a while and came back to it and he's like i'm gonna make this movie like as is you know something like that i don't know that yeah. that's a reach that's a bit of speculatory in that thought. speculation that's high speculation that's the mind of stupidness right there but yeah, I don't know. That's um I don't want to say the script is flawed because it's it like 
like I definitely couldn't have written a script like that. Like that's a highly, highly, highly researched script. Like if if this is really based on like Manx's life and the events going on surrounding the um uh writing and, and production of not even production, the pre production of uh Citizen Kane, it's such a broad story. It it captures so much. Uh so I like how much of it is actually fictionalized or research, like that's already impressive in itself but perhaps it lacks like a focus like or the story like the film itself like maybe it's not on the script maybe it's in the direction in that way but it's hard to i think we said it like focus through the point of view of a character though we're meant to focus through mank it's like that's not clear that's not coming out clear enough i don't know no um not at all (laughs) yeah i i can't recommend this movie um, yeah, I I couldn't even recommend this to to like film students. No, I would I would recommend this to film students. I would recommend this to like if you're really really into film history, I guess. But watch it to see what we're talking about. Don't watch it expecting mm-hmm. a fantastic film. You know, mm-hmm. temper your expectations. I guess. Yeah, it, it's a bit of a letdown for me because I was really high hopes going into this with it being a a David Fincher film. Gary Oldman is just a great actor in whatever he plays. So I was kind of going into it with high expectations. And he did a good job to his credit. He obviously. did a good job to his credit. I don't think he would have ever let let us down in a performance. And and like I want to say it again, like everything in its individual elements I thought was great. Like the directing, like okay, when I say directing, I should say the shot compositions. Yeah, every shot in this in this movie is specific yeah just yeah. And, and that just goes to fincher's like his static style of filmmaking we're just really still cameras and he he never uses a steady cam or uh any movement like it's always a tri- tripod or a like a steady track really slow movement if anything um so that i think that works for this type of a like a noir a 1930s 1940s noir but it's like it's not that i don't know this film is going to be a film that bugs me because I'm I'm like after Once Upon a Time in Hollywood just like got me super hyped about like how interesting these kind of films are that are about like old Hollywood and how films are made the history of it all I got really excited at just at the pros- like prospect of these kind of movies so yeah bit of and a letdown that, yeah a bit of a letdown but with that um, I don't know if you have anything else to add I think that was a pretty good way to end it yeah that was uh got it got it out i think got it yeah. all out uh, yeah back to watching got yeah oh, well. 